What the world needs now is positivity. Connecting, relating, and being human together is where it's at. Hi there, honey German, and I know life happens, but trust, you got this. And State Farm got us. It feels good knowing that State Farm agents are there to help you choose the right coverage with great support 24-7. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Locatora Radio. A radiophonic novella, Locatora Radio, hosted by Mala Munoz and Dios FM. Hola, hola, locamores. Welcome to season six of Locatora Radio por Casteras Next Door. Locatora Radio is a radiophonic novella, which is just a very extra way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. Thanks for tuning in to Capitulo 125-125. Last time on Locatora, we interviewed singer and songwriter Flores. Make sure you check out that interview and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think. Also, quick reminder to follow us across all socials. We're everywhere, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook. Hit the follow button. And if you're looking for a Findom drain and aspire to be our human wallet, you can escort yourself right on over to our Venmo at locatora-radio. You can also get 15% off of your purchases from Latina-owned makeup brand Viva Cosmetics using our affiliate code locatora-radio15. So head on over to vivacosmetics.com. So some updates from our original slate of podcasts over here at Look At What Our Productions. Marihuanera, a podcast for potheads. Season two launched on 420. 
with a 420 special interview with Susie Greens, who is actually the founder and CEO of Mota Glass. And if you've been listening to Marihuanera, you know that we have an affiliate code with Mota Glass, and that's Marihuanera P4P. So go ahead, tune in, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, and buy yourself a bong while you're at it. I'm so proud of us. I think that's the first time we've ever gotten through that with like, without any issue. Oh yeah. No, no. We're like really in our groove. We're in our rhythm. We know our stuff. I'm proud of us. Yeah. Go us. We're we're professionals. One take (laughs) goddesses. I love it. We're pros. We're pros. Well, we have a really special, exciting interview for y'all today. As you know, we are LA based, born and raised in LA Mm -hmm. and You know, when it comes to city politics, it's kind of hard to not know what's going on. Like elections take over the city. And Mm -hmm. this year or this episode in particular, we are really excited to bring back our Latinas in politics segment or Latinas in politics um, series. And so we're going to be talking to Onises Hernandez, who's running for LA City Council District 1. And Mala's going to tell us a little bit more about her. Yes, Eonises is a very, very, very exciting, fresh face in LA politics. She's running for, like Diosa said, a city council seat against incumbent Gil Cedillo, who has been in office for a very long time. Now, LA City Council District 1 is socioeconomically and racially diverse, representing core parts of Northeast and Northwest LA, including Glassell Park, Highland Park, Chinatown, Mount Washington, Echo Park, Elysian Park, Westlake, Pico Union, Koreatown, Angelino Heights, Lincoln Heights, and MacArthur Park. So I live, I don't live in Council District 1. I'm probably like two or three blocks outside of Council District 1. But um, Eonises is kind of a little bit of a local hero legend in some ways because she is known for her community work as far as advocacy, equity, and access, especially with regards to decriminalization for things like cannabis convictions. I met Eonisa several years ago when I was working on a docu-series about Latinos in the legalized cannabis industry. She was one of the um, sort of experts in the field, one of the activists that I interviewed on camera for this docu-series. And at the time, Eonises was working on expungement clinics and cannabis decriminalization efforts. So we've seen Eonises also doing lots of advocacy in recent years with her work on Measure J through um, an organization called La Defensa. So uh, we're really excited to bring this Latina in Politics series back, especially because uh, there is this sort of tendency to overlook these kind of major sort of elections because they're not mayoral, they're not senators. But here in LA, the city council is a big fucking deal. And we pay attention to what's going on with the city council. And in some ways, like not to be dramatic, but like LA city council, this is some Gotham shit. You know, there's the corruption, there's Hollywood, there's just a lot of issues going on in the city. Um, And Eonises has this platform that's focused on leaving nobody behind with an emphasis on public safety, housing, um, the environment, and gender justice. So this episode, we'll be hearing from Eonises about the race, her platform, and what moved her to run for political office in L.A. 
Amazing. And also to add on that, like not to be dramatic and not to toot our own horn, but like people may or may not have been asking for the Locatora endorsement. We've had multiple people ask for interviews. And as you know, we don't always have the capacity or availability to interview everyone uh, for specifically for the Latinas in politics series, but we believe in Onisis's work and we are excited to share the platform with her and for y'all to get to know her. Oh yeah, we definitely like are not just interviewing everyone running for political office in LA. And Diosa is alluding to some, yes, mayoral candidates <laughs> who literally were asking, so when are we going to be on Locatora? So um, we don't say yes to everyone. We're very picky, very choosy. And we have decided that we really would love for you all to hear from Eonises, and we really want to amplify um, her message and her platform so that you all can be informed voters and you can get to know a little bit more about this new candidate um, in LA politics. Gil Cedillo, I think a lot of people have been around and he's been around and he's a familiar name. So she's a fresh face. And I think she's somebody that not everybody knows a ton about. So we want to give y'all the opportunity to hear from her directly. Okay, Locamores, without further ado, super excited to have CD1 LA City, LA City Council candidate Onisis Hernandez. Welcome to Locatora Radio. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. We're excited to have you as well. You can actually catch Eonises on both of our podcasts. Here on Locatora, we're going to hear about Eonises, like the entire platform, her backstory, her bio. We're going to give you the full Eonises insight on Marihuanara, a podcast for potheads. Eonises and I talk about cannabis specifically in relation to the city council and her platform. Yeah, and today we're excited to revisit our Latinas in Politics series, and this will be the first of season six. So like I said, super excited to be doing that with Onisis. So Onisis, welcome again. I would love to just get started and tell us a little bit about you and tell us a little bit about CD1, Council District 1. Thank you. That's a great question. Um, so my name is Eunices, Eunices Hernandez. I was born and raised in Highland Park in CD1. I've lived here my whole life for over 30 years. And a little bit about CD1 is that, you know, the very north part of the district is Highland Park. Then you go to Glassell Park, Cypress Park, Lincoln Heights, MacArthur Park, Pico Union, Chinatown, um, University Park, Angelino Heights, Mount Washington. So we have a very diverse district where we have a large, large communities of migrants, large communities of elders and young people, monolingual speaking communities, whether it's just Chinese, whether it's just Spanish. And so we, and we also have, you know, very high income areas such as Mount Washington. Um, so there's a lot of issues to, to bring together, but I mean, this district, when it was created, it was to give Latinos a seat on the city council, because at the time we did not have political power in that way. And so that's also one of the reasons why I ran, because I want to make sure we can continue that leadership without the erasure of our communities. Amazing. Thank you so much for giving us that background. You know, we've interviewed Latinas that are running for the first time in the past. We, we see the conversations online and we know that it's a really grueling process, especially for someone more progressive, for a young Latina 
you know? And so for you, like, why are you running? Like, this is a really difficult and challenging thing that you are taking on and, you know, we support it and we love it, you know, but what keeps you going? Why are you running for city council? I'm, I'm running for city council because, you know, I saw, I've seen the impacts that gentrification have had on my communities in the last nine years. I've seen how elders that look like our mamas, our tias, um, our tios do not have a pathway of retirement to rest. You know, one of the things that really pushed me over the edge was seeing continuously week after week, the same woman coming to pick the recycling bins out of the trash so that she can make end meet, ends meet, you know? And the last nine years, we've seen how in Highland Park, the Latino population has dropped by 10%. That's not by accident. You know, that's the that's increases in rent. That's evictions happening when people are flipping whole apartment buildings and they, you know, pressure people to sell their keys to them. Um, I, I've seen how, you know, we spend per year a million dollars to incarcerate one young person in L.A. County in, in a probation camp instead of actually giving them care and access. And these are all political decisions. The 41,000 people who are experiencing homelessness on the streets of the city of L.A., is a political decision. And so, you know, I had done most of my, my daytime work is around trying to build out alternatives to incarceration, to build out the solutions that would keep us safe because, you know, I'm a survivor of, of sexual harm and violence. I've had loved ones who have been uh, sent to jail and, and migrant jails for a lack of access to stable housing, mental health services and drug treatment. And so, you know, when, in the beginning, I thought that the solution was for me to become a police officer. I could be like, oh, I could have been the police officer that would have helped me when I call 911 for intimate partner violence support, or that wouldn't have arrested my friend when he got arrested for selling weed in 2011, which that conviction ruined his life. And so instead I dedicated myself to trying to change policy. And we've been successful as community on the outside in building policy and solutions and the budgets we wanna see. We passed measure J in 2020, a ballot measure that said move 10% of locally generated tax dollars into community, young people, alternatives to incarceration and 2 million LA counter voters approved it in the middle of a pandemic. So that was one of the things that opened my eyes to, that said, you know, we have power as community to move things. And if we could bring community into City Hall, then perhaps we can start pushing City Hall in the direction of prioritizing life affirming responses and actually keeping our people housed. Can you talk about some of the main pillars of your platform? If folks visit your campaign website, they'll see that you have like several focuses. Housing is one of them. Um, public safety is one of them. Can you talk a little bit about how you came up with the focus of your campaign? Yes. So just like an overarching theme um, and all these buckets of policy work are and the platforms are putting people before profit, are putting care versus, you know, incarceration and carceral settings. Um, and so, and it's also about racial equity and gender justice. So you can see those themes uh, go through each of the platforms, but most of my expertise has been around public safety. And you'll see in the public safety platform that all of these platforms, let me just take a step back and say, they weren't developed just by myself. We created policy tables and brought in experts, brought in community members, people directly impacted by these issues so that we can come together and figure out, okay, what are the solutions you all would really like to see? Or would you all really like us to push forward? And so that's where these were born out of. But um, public safety is about developing life-affirming responses. So creating more access to psychiatric mobile response teams. So that if you see someone having a mental health crisis, you could call 
the 988 hotline and get a psychiatric mobile response team. Or it's about creating access to mental health care and drug treatment. You know, the best, the safest communities are the most resourced. And it's not about more law enforcement, it's about more access to jobs, stable housing and supportive services. And with housing, again, it's putting people over profit where we're pushing for protecting renters to keep them housed. Last year, the city of LA housed 20,000 people experiencing homelessness, 20,000. But at the same time, 25,000 people became homeless. And that's because we're not protecting people in their homes. We're not implementing and establishing protections for renters. 70% of this district and over 50% of the city of LA are renters. Yet we have no policies that protect them from tenant harassment, from, from uh, landlord harassment, real anti-landlord harassment laws. We don't give them access to attorneys when they're being evicted in eviction court. And those are the policies that we wanna bring up to protect every single affordable housing unit that exists, providing you know access to attorneys in eviction court. And then the last thing is building deeply, deeply, deeply affordable housing. And Diosa and, and Mala, I ask you, you know, if you if your loved ones didn't live in the city, do you think that your friends and family could live here and afford to rent a house, a house here, an apartment here? Many of the people I, I know do not. And so like the housing piece is critical to us. And I see Mala, you unmuted. I would love to hear what you're saying. And thoughts the are on that. Well, yeah, we both we yeah. both have thoughts. We talk about housing all the time because it is kind of priority number one, honestly. Yeah, definitely. You know, I live in a a smaller city, so I'm in LA County. And so even the city that I live in is increasingly not affordable. And for us, you know, uh, rent control was proposed by our small city council and shot down. And so even the possibility of renting, if I wanted to stay in my little city, I wouldn't be able to, right? Which is why many of our listeners, we as well live at home with our families, because it's the most affordable, right? Living in these multi-generational homes, which not everyone has healthy family, you know, relationships, not everybody has access to a bedroom, right? Uh, To privacy. And so we know that it's a very complex, a very layered and nuanced issue. And we are, you know, really excited and happy to talk with you about what seems like progressive ideals, but are actually just really fucking standard. Like this should be the standard, right? For, for all platforms and policies in LA County and LA city. Tell them again, this is the basics. You know, we just want to keep people housed. We want people to have access to housing. We're not talking about luxurious mansions, which they're building, you know, luxury and market rate um, housing, but that is just not affordable to our people. And so, Yeah. yeah, go ahead. There seems to be this emphasis on the the new luxury housing, but not keeping long-term residents in the city. Um, and like my parents left LA because they couldn't afford anything in the city anymore. And they looked everywhere in the city, in the County. So they moved to Bakersfield because that's the only place they could afford to buy a house and more and more that's happening. And it's really, I feel, and I feel like those families that the 10% decrease in Latino families in Highland park, like where are they going? They have to go somewhere. They end up leaving the city and that's like, generations of people who have like put in time and work and taxes and education into the communities and then like the city makes it very easy for them to just leave you know yes and also um the pressure that you all receive like that people receive as homeowners 
where we're constantly bombarded with text, mailers, phone calls saying, hey, let, let us get this headache off your hands. And, you know, framing it to our communities as a headache when land ownership is the beginning of intergenerational wealth. And, you know, this a lot of us come from uh, families who just migrated in, uh, from other countries, like myself, I'm a daughter of Mexican migrants. And so, you know, land ownership is a big deal in order to be able to build collective wealth as, as a family. But um, yeah, housing is critical, both in, in, in building it, and I mentioned building, and I just want to add a, a number to it, because what does affordable housing mean? You know, there's different levels to it. But in this district, in CD1, the average medium income per year is $32,000. $32,000 is the average medium income. And so what we are building right now with market rate and luxury development is not, um, is not for the people living there. And I've met several people, I would say about a dozen people who, you know, were promised affordable housing units in new development and, you know, ended up getting finessed and lied to by developers. And in the end, they are, you know, in Spanish, desalojados or evicted from the apartments and not, you know, guaranteed a spot, which is horrible because people think that, you know, oh yes, let's go ahead and approve and support this development because they're going to give us a space. But in, in the end, they don't. That's truly awful. Um, thank you for shining light on that. I, I didn't know that that was a legal practice that developers could do that. Um, so, you know, shifting to another platform of yours, Unisys, is environment. I know that you also have a platform on environmental issues and also gender justice. So would love to get into that and hear your, uh, your take on your platforms. Yes, so the envi environmental justice is big. Um, in this district, in CD1 and throughout the city of LA, but in this district, we have over 700 oil wells. And yesterday I actually went to go tour where the oil wells are by Vista Hermosa Park. I smelled the oil from these oil wells. You know, in other parts of the city, th there are tons of oil wells as well. But the difference is, is that they've been capped. They've been closed. The land has been remediated. And so they've been able to clean up that land and build things on there, such as housing that's safe or even green spaces. But here in Vista Hermosa Park, I mean, in Vista Hermosa in Los Angeles, these wells are sitting there empty. It's like, you know, a minefield where you're, you know, you don't know where you're stepping, what could be in the ground. That's how it is there, where literally new developments have been going up, being built on top of these oil wells. And in the middle of building, you have like a river, like they hit by accident, an oil well, and it just starts oozing out oil. You know, and we've there's there's pictures there's stories of last year, uh, you know, them having a river of oil coming out of one of under the developments that was being built. And so it's not only that, you know, there's oil in these wells, it's that they release methane gas, they release different toxic gases and um, they have to vent them. So regardless of what we do, you know, they can we can never take oil wells out. We can only cap them. But even when we cap them, they have to be vents in place so that the methane gas can escape. So this means that people that are constantly surrounded by these toxic gases. And so one of the things that we really want to prioritize is the capping of these oil wells and, you know, not building 80 units on top of five oil wells. Um, it's just wild what they're doing out there. And um, we want to create jobs, creating, we can create jobs by closing down these oil wells and by creating green spaces with them or by creating uh, safer spaces for community. Cause literally there's just these, metal poles sticking out of the ground that are from, you know, before, like three generations before us. And so uh, the environment, but also not only oil wells, 
but we're talking about also transportation. You know, you cannot get to Elysian Park on the metro. Um, but and so we want to really push for the expansion of availability of bus lines and other metro lines and the micro metros so that people can get to everywhere they need to get to. So we can stop relying so heavily on cars, uh, but also making it free because we've met too many people, um, especially when they started charging fares again, where they have told us, like, look, I have to decide whether we're going to have like lunch for this for this week or whether that I'm going to pay the bus fare to get myself and my kids to school. And so we shouldn't have to be putting people in those kind of predicaments, especially when many, many, too many people are still struggling um, with the you know, recession and financial economic hardships because of COVID. And then the second piece around um, gender justice. So gender justice is very important to me, um, but with the lens of making sure that we are uplifting our most marginalized communities, such as two-spirit, transgender folks, gender diverse people, LGBTQ plus folks, and so for the last four, four years in LA County, I've been pushing and with my colleagues to move away from trying to focus on building a, a jail that's responsive for women, a jail that's better for women, and actually shifting the framework and the policy priorities to one where we focus on, you know, two-spirit, transgender, gender non-conforming folks and LGBTQ people and cis women, and focusing on trying to end the incarceration of these groups. You might be saying, why? Why are you trying to do that? Well, because in LA County, there's about 1,300 women in the LA County jail system. And over half of them, close to 700 of them, are simply there because they cannot pay bail to get out. And we know that the top three charges and the top five charges for women in LA County are related to drug offenses, driving without a license, suspended license, or driving with no insurance or FTA. And so it's literally these traffic issues that are criminalizing uh, women, LGBTQ plus folks, you know, sex work uh, and drug offenses as well. So the work that we've done in LA County is to really move away from, from incarcerating these groups for those issues and to one where we're investing in their housing, investing in, in responses so that people who have been impacted by intimate partner violence have options, have places to go. Um, and one of the things we also created was a group, uh, we call it SNAC. Survivors Network Against Criminalization. The Survivors Network Against Criminalization, we created because we saw how the pendulum was swinging back and forth on criminal justice reform. But me and other survivors in this work um, ha have been uplifting other solutions that would have prevented our harm, that would have kept us safe, and that would have helped repair some of the damage that, you know, and harm that we went through. And so that's what we've done on the outside as community to create snacks so that there was a pathway for other survivors that want to try different options for you know, transformative justice or healing or even preventative work, had a space to collectively do that. And so that's the work that we're bringing both in the county, but also that we're trying to bring to City Hall. And the last piece on gender justice is even when we think about building a team. I started a nonprofit called La Defensa where most of our teams are femmes, women, uh, LGBTQ folks. We are queer led. On our board, we have trans, uh, trans folks such as Bam, Bambi Salcedo from Trans Latina Coalition, an amazing trans woman who also has endorsed our campaign. Um, but you know, most of our teams are femmes. Most of these femmes are doing political work, campaign work. And when you look at my campaign team, I also was very intentional there where we are queer led women of color team. Uh, most of our most of our colleagues who are in leadership position are women so that they can learn these campaign skills so that they can launch their own campaigns and be campaign managers and field directors and, you know, fundraising directors, because oftentimes we're left doing the legwork without actual opportunity for thriving wages or good titles. 
And so that's, I mean, gender justice, both in policy, but even in the teams we create, right? We have to be very, very intentional about that because the patriarchy and white supremacy are very strong and not allowing us to have, you know, these opportunities. So we got to create them for ourselves. I appreciate you uh, breaking down your campaign, your team, the your board, the folks that have endorsed you, because it also speaks to like your coalition building and the organizing and the intentionality behind like creating a campaign that's different from the incumbent and like the legacy politics. So can you just give our listeners out there a sense of how they can support, how they can learn more, how they can get involved. Plenty of our listeners likely live in your district because it's right in the middle of the city of Los Angeles. It's a pretty huge core district. And um, it's a really big deal that you're running at the time that you're running. So for those listening, how can they get involved? How can they support? How can they be part of Team Onises? Yes. So just so you all know, timeline, we have 15 days or 14 days now until ballots drop, which is on May 9th. If you're registered to vote, you should be receiving a mail-in ballot starting that week. If you haven't registered to vote, this is your, uh, how do I say this, your your alarm clock to, to register to vote now. It takes less than five minutes on your phone. And we need everybody to tap in because it's a non-presidential election year. And so the voter turnout might be low and we need everybody a historic amount of votes, a historic amount of support to beat a corporate Democrat who has literally taken half a million dollars from developers and real estate. And so we, you know, we've already knocked the district once, but we're knocking the district again two and three times. So if you love walking outside, talking with people and just having a good time, you know, interacting with folks, then please go onto our website, elnisas.com and register so you can canvas. We're canvassing Monday through Friday, every and actually Saturday, so every day, every day of the week we canvass. Uh, but our biggest days are on the weekends. If you don't like to go outside, if you don't want to talk to someone in person, we're also doing phone banks, virtual phone banks, where we're gathering in teams every day online on Zoom and just going through a call list and calling people. We're also, if you don't want to do calls, we're also hosting a, a postcard writing parties, or you can host a postcard writing of your own, where we're having our team write postcards to to voters here in the city of LA and to the district because we want to create we want to meet people at where they're at at every single level whether it's postcards whether it's on the phone whether it's text whether it's at the door whether it's you know MacArthur Park every Saturday morning that I'm there trying to talk with las mamas like there's many lanes if you're an artist you want to write you want to write poems or you want to create art visual art whatever it is everybody has a has a lane in this campaign because it's going to take everyone to beat this incumbent um, this incumbent is this is the epitome of the establishment of of the patriarchy of machismo and of not and of a lack of leadership. Nine years we've had the same representation and we don't have much to show for it. We're not safer. We don't have more people housed, and that's why we're, it's time for us to go into city hall. And so please, now is the time. And oh, the last thing is, our race will be decided in June. We are not going till November. I know folks are saying, oh, I'll type in closer to November, but only him and I made it on the ballot. So whoever gets the most votes in June wins. There is no after. We don't get another chance at this until 2026. So please tap in now. This is incredibly urgent. Wow, Onisa, thank you so much for putting that context into this race, into why you're running, and also a sense of urgency because it is urgent. 
LA city is in a crisis right now. And so, you know, very excited to chat with you and talk with you today about your platforms and also like huge major announcement today, you were endorsed by the labor leader and civil rights activist, the Dolores Huerta. So can you, congratulations, first of all. And secondly, can you tell us about that process and how are you feeling right now? Oh yeah, I'm feeling so good about that endorsement. Oh, you know, I met Dolores Huerta, uh, Malatro Mutual friend, Jasmine and Imelda. And many years yes. ago in 2017, we met Dolores um, and I had posted about her, meeting her and, you know, that experience of meeting an icon, meeting someone who has sacrificed so much that for someone like me, for people that are like me and us, to be able to become lobbyists, to be able to take a political space and be experts. And so I had posted about that in 2017. And, you know, I, I had shared that with her team. I shared that with her because I didn't know which way she was going to go. You know, I'm going, like I said, I'm going against an incumbent who many people are afraid of, who many people in the establishment have endorsed because that's what they do. You endorse the incumbent and her, for her to step up and be brave with me. Oh, I can't tell you how that feels. It's been really difficult to see, you know, a lot of Latino leadership move in the other direction because that's what you do with the status quo. And so I'm feeling incredibly um, energized, supported, uh, rein reinforced, like, you know, we're doing the right thing. And, you know, Dolores is someone that Dolores Huerta is someone I look up to because she has evolved. You know, she is someone who takes information and you can see throughout her life how she's taken that and has evolved her analysis and her way of thinking about things and her positions. And that is important because that means she's open to change and not staying in the same status quo, same ineffective um, and ineffective solutions and policies. So I'm I'm so happy. I'm so grateful and I'm so excited because this. This is it. This means a lot. You know, this for me, this this means so much. Eunice Hernandez, for the people, thank you so much for stopping by Locatora Radio and chatting with us so our so our constituents, so our listeners could get hey. to know you. <laughs> so our listeners could get to know <laughs> you and your platform, your potential future constituents. Um, everybody, please give Eunices a follow. She's all over social media. She's online. She has a website. And um, dang, what else? Get out there and vote. Make sure you register to vote. I don't know if uh, there are some of our listeners maybe who have maybe haven't voted in a city council election before. I know not everybody has. Right. So make sure that you register to vote. That's step number one. And make sure you get those ballots in. Um, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, good luck. We hope you win. We are also actually before we leave, we're formally endorsing Onises. Um, as a podcast, as Locatora Radio, just you know, us and Dolores, you know, <laughs> dreams come true. <laughs> dreams come true, y'all. We were waiting for Dolores to drop her news before we dropped ours. <laughs> Thank you so much, Onisis, for stopping by Locatora Radio, for sharing your platforms with us, to our listeners as well, sharing your time and energy. We know that you're out there putting in the work connecting with people, connecting with your community. And so we thank you for taking the time to come by and, and share with us. Thank you all. Thank you, Mala Diosa, for sharing your platform with me, for allowing me to share. And, you know, it's 
I, you just you sense the urgency you see it and you stepped up and helping and thank you for also standing in the light and being brave with me uh, because it's going to take all of us to beat this mountain so mil gracias amigas i am eternally grateful thank you thank you for traveling with amex platinum to your right you'll see oceanside relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property when booked through amex travel you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m late checkout that's the powerful backing of american express terms apply learn more at americanexpress.com slash with amex Professional wrestling, like real life, is full of surprises. Hi, everyone. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. And it's no surprise I can talk wrestling all day, any day. Kind of like how State Farm agents can talk insurance and help you choose the right coverage. When it comes to important insurance decisions, let State Farm support you with the coverage you need backed with 24-7 support. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.